Let's turn in our Bibles tonight, if you would, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. That's where we're going to start this evening, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we want to look at verse 18 as our beginning verse tonight. Last night, we spoke a little bit about the fact that we serve a God who has taken great pains to reveal himself to us. And certainly, God reveals himself to us in creation. Generally, we know that he is seen in the world around us, his eternal power and his Godhead. And also, more specifically, God reveals himself to us in his word. And I hope you had some time this morning or this afternoon to meditate on what we spoke about last night, some of the names of God that are significant to you and some ways that you practically can take steps to uh, become more acquainted with God. One suggestion that I would offer in regards to that is that when you're spending time in the Word, when you're reading the Scriptures, sometimes we find that we're, we're looking for something to do, something that we need to obey or something that we need to stop, and that's appropriate But oftentimes in passages of Scripture, as we're reading, we will find out things about the character of God, and that will lead us to worship. So in your word time, in your time in the word of God, be looking for who God is, what his attributes are, what he is like. And then, of course, when God reveals himself to us, his intention is for us to respond So tonight we're going to speak about the response of repentance. Tomorrow we're going to speak about the response of obedience. And Wednesday night we're going to speak about the response of prayer. Three primary responses that God requires of us or that are a part of our walk with God. Tonight we want to talk about the function of repentance in a believer's life. Of course, we know that salvation, the beginning point, being born again, one part of our obedience to the gospel is repentance from our sin and then faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But repentance is also to be the mark of the ongoing believer's life. So as we walk with God, we're going to find that God frequently calls us to repentance as he reveals to us things in our life that need to be different. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So you'll notice in this verse that God's design for us as we behold His glory, is that we would be changed, and we would be changed from glory to glory. The idea is a progressive changing more and more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. His design is to take us from where He found us and to steadily make us more like Jesus until, of course, one day we're in His presence and all sin is removed from us, Even the presence of sin is removed from us, and we are like Christ. Now, during this life, God is in the business of delivering us from the power of sin and the penalty of sin, and primarily what we're going to be talking about tonight is God delivering us from the power of sin. 
God delivering us from sin as He shows us uh, areas that need to be changed in our life and then by His grace gives us the power to be overcomers in those areas. Now, the Bible is full of examples of men who walked with God. And their story is always a story of God transforming them or changing them from what they were to what he wanted them to be. For instance, David, we read about David and we read about how he was confronted by God about his sin. Psalm 51 is his his heart's cry of his desire to be right with God and to be reconciled again, brought back into fellowship with God. Not that he needed to be saved again, but he needed to have the joy of his salvation restored. He needed to be restored to fellowship with God. Uh, We could think about Isaiah, and in Isaiah chapter 6, he saw a vision of God, and in preparation for being useful in the service of the Lord, as he saw the glory of the Lord, his response was, "'Woe is me, for I am undone, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts.'" And then he he, uh, needed to have himself cleansed, and an angel came and cleansed him with some coals from off the altar, a a stunning encounter between Isaiah and Jehovah. Peter, the apostle, during the ministry of Christ, there right towards the end of the ministry of Christ, before Jesus ascended back to heaven, of course we know that Peter had failed, he had denied Christ, and he was, I think he was a little bit upset about his failure, he had run away and, and in a sense was hiding, Jesus brought him close, and he began speaking to him, and he said to Peter these words, When thou art converted, then you will minister to your brethren. But it wasn't that Peter needed to be saved again. He was already saved. He was already a follower of Christ, but he needed to be converted or changed. There was something in his nature that needed to be transformed, and Jesus was in the process of changing him so that he would be useful in the service of God. Now, this is important for us to understand. In order for us to be useful in the service of God, we need to be changed. Our, the elements of our nature need to be changed to be more like Christ, and that is the work of God. So we need to cooperate with what God is doing, and one of the reasons that God is revealing himself to us His expectations to us is because He intends to change us. I had this thought, God did not save you to leave you like you are. When He saved you, He has a purpose to change you. He's in the process of molding you into the image of Christ. And a significant part of walking with God is yielding to God in this work of change as God is changing you into the image of Jesus Christ. So tonight, let's talk a little bit about repentance in the believer's life. And first of all, let's talk a little bit about the process of repentance. And I want you to think with me about the process of repentance. And first of all, as we think about repentance, there is a need for us to realize our sin. And I'll have some statements up here which will be significant that you can jot down if you want to. But first of all, there is a need for us to realize the areas where we are lacking before God. Now, what we find 
in a real relationship with God. Is that a little easier to read than last night? I had a couple of older folks come to me and say that, that it was not so easy to read. And I actually saw that, but it was too late to change it when I saw it. So I apologize for that. I, I darkened the text tonight. So it's important for us in our walk with God and really on a daily basis to disclose to God our struggles, the things that we are grappling with. We need to be honest with God and with ourselves And this is a vital part of having a relationship with God, is coming clean before God about the things that we realize are not right. Sometimes as believers, we're trying to hide from God, and we're trying to keep Him from knowing about our sins. So obviously, that's a futile effort. You can't possibly hide anything from God, so you might as well be honest to Him. I I remember... Uh, Years ago, I was talking with a man who I was discipling, and he told me, I I asked him if he'd been reading his Bible, and he said, no, I haven't been reading my Bible. And I said, well, why haven't you been reading your Bible? And he was telling me he was having some struggles, and he said, well, honestly, because I've been sinning against God, and I know if I read my Bible, I'm going to get convicted, and I don't want to be convicted, so I'm not reading my Bible. I mean, he was just brutally honest. He was a baby Christian. And he said, this is where I'm at. I don't want to be convicted. I don't, I want to pretend like everything's okay. So I'm not reading my Bible right now. So we had to deal with that fundamental uh, truth, that principle. You know, God already knows about your sin. You need to be honest with him. Self-disclosure, as I mentioned last night, is an important part of every relationship. And we can be honest with God. One of, the, one of the compelling things about our God, and, and that really gives us a sense of security, is that once you are saved, God is never going to reject you for anything that you do. You are accepted on the merits of Jesus Christ, not on the merits of your own righteousness. And, and so because of that, you, you can come to Him with sincerity, and you can be honest with him, and you can talk about the things that you're struggling with. Now, this realization of our sin is very important because what we find is that sinful habits are deeply ingrained in our nature. These kinds of habits go all the way back to before we met the Lord, before we were saved. There were things that were comfortable to us. And, uh, you know, maybe you were brought up in a home where your parents were not believers and the environment was an unbelieving environment and uh, most likely you picked up some habits of life. But even if you were brought up in a home with with parents who were believers, you have sinful tendencies. Uh, You have root sins that are a part of of, of your nature in this sense that they're comfortable to you, they're, they're easy to go back to. Maybe it's a habit of fear or a habit of pride or a habit of anger or a habit of bitterness or something like that. And these sinful habits are so deeply ingrained in us that God needs to do deep-rooted change. He needs to work deep within us. He needs to get a hold of our heart and transform us And the work of God that he is doing is a work from the inside out. So God is working on the inside, and the outside changes generally come uh, as he is changing us from the inside. It's a shame if people just 
dress up the outside of their life and don't really deal with the root sins that are on uh, underneath, that are the underpinnings of why they're doing certain things on the outside. Now, if you give some thought in your life, you probably can come up with some sinful habits that are familiar to you, that are that are you're prone to, let's say. Uh, maybe things that you've been prone to since you were a child, and they're just very easy for you to slip back into. And you say, boy, that's a real uh, besetting sin for me. That's something that I struggle with. Uh, Maybe that spirit of anger or something like that. I so easily go back to that. So being aware of those sins is very important and realizing that we are not all that we ought to be. Now, we're going to balance this in just a moment, but realization is very important. We can't just go through our Christian life saying, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, everything's great. I I, I go to church, I read my Bible, I sing the hymns, what else do you want from me? Well, what God wants from you is for you to become more like Christ. And so we're going to be putting off these sinful habits, but before we can put them off, we have to have some evaluation to make sure that we know what things need to be put off. Now, we also, as we think about the realization of our sin, we, we understand that we realize our sin or we recognize our sin through a variety of things. First of all, we realize our sin or recognize our sin when we begin to understand who God is. That's what happened in Isaiah chapter 6. When Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord and specifically the cherubim that were surrounding the throne were crying out about the holiness of God. And Isaiah was overwhelmed with his own sinfulness when he saw the holiness of God. As we come more into relationship with God, as we get closer to him, his holiness, his righteousness becomes more and more apparent and in contrast our lack of holiness and our lack of righteousness becomes more and more apparent. The closer you get to God, the less comfortable you're going to be with your nature. Somebody who says, I got it all figured out. Boy, I think I've really got this Christian life licked. I I know how to live a good Christian. I'm living a holy life. I think, I'm not so sure that you're very close to the Lord. Because if you were really close to the Lord, you would be very humble about who you really are. Second of all, we also realize our sin through the mirror of the Word of God. So as we go to the Word of God, and James chapter 1 really talks about this this, uh, function of God's Word, that we look at the Word of God, and as we look into the Scriptures, it's like a glass or a mirror that reflects to us our true condition, the condition of our heart, areas where we may not be right with the Lord, and the Word of God speaks. Of course, we saw last night, the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit, and so it speaks to our heart and it convicts us and shows us those areas that need to be changed, that need to be transformed by the power of God. Also, we, are, we come into a realization about our sin by our interactions with other people. And God uses, and we've mentioned this at other times and in other messages, 
One of the reasons that God puts us into relationships with other imperfect sinners in the, in the bounds of a New Testament church, and sometimes those other sinners maybe are a little irritating to us, and, and we don't like the way that they act or that they talk or that they behave, and if we're not careful, we can start to think, well, I'm the, I'm the standard of behavior, and other people need to quickly rise to where I'm at. But actually, God puts us in these relationships because we begin to realize areas where we are lacking, areas where we need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so our interactions with other brothers can be uh, opportunities for us to realize gaps in our sanctification, areas where we need to be more like the Lord. Now, realization should lead us, second of all, to remorse. And remorse is when we are struck to the heart about our sin. And the reason that I mention this, and I'll be brief here, but I I feel like many times as Christians, we are quick to dismiss our sin. To just say, well, everybody has their besetting sin. Well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a small thing. It's private. It's between me and God. It's none of your business, this sort of thing. And we don't want to just dismiss our sin out of hand. We don't want to just excuse our sin or say, well, it's not that important. Actually, when we see our sin, if we have the right view of who God is, our response should be very much like Isaiah's was in Isaiah chapter 6, when he said, woe is me, for I am undone. That word woe means deep sorrow and mourning. He recognized his sin in the light of God's holiness, and he was struck with mourning and with sorrow over his sin. He, he wanted to be cleansed. He wanted to be victorious over that sin. This is the proper response. When we are worshiping God, when we regard God as he truly is, then our sin will be as significant to us as it is to him. And we should recognize that sin is not something that we should tolerate in our life. Now, we need to be careful with this remorse because we, we don't want to get to the place where we allow our sinful shortcomings to bring us to despair. Rather, we want to have a holy resolve to be more like Jesus. When we find that we're failing, when we find that we are not Uh, We are not living up to the standard that God has for us. We're not being like Christ. Let's not resort to despair. And and I want to talk about that for just a minute. Because sometimes, especially if, if a particular sin is something that we are grappling with over a period of time, and we seem to be having trouble getting victory over that sin, it can bring us to a place of despair where we are tempted to just throw our hands up and say, never mind, I can't overcome this sin. It's just too hard. This is just a part of who I am, and God will just have to understand, and we can end up in the depths of despair in our Christian life. We can end up in a place where we feel like, well, I can't pray because God won't won't hear my prayers. I might as well not witness to anybody because I'm just 
not a good vessel that he can use. I might as well not serve the Lord because he, he's not going to accept my service because I'm, I'm not doing what is right. And we can get in a place almost of depression over our sin. That is not where God wants us to be. God says about us that we are more than conquerors in Romans chapter 8. So he wants to bring us to a place of victory. When we see our shortcomings, it ought to rather awaken inside of us a desire to be more like Jesus. So while we sorrow over our sin, while we mourn about our sin and we regret that we have not done what God wanted us to do, that should spur us on to obedience the next time rather than just despairing about our condition. Uh, We need to be very careful with this because Satan will tempt us to go to the place of despair, and when you get to the place of despair, you will not be an overcoming Christian. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands tonight, but I suspect that most of us know what it's like to be in that place. And when you are in that place, you are a defeated Christian. You are giving way. You are giving, uh, you are giving place to the devil in that time. And you, he is going to wreak havoc in your life because you've just given up and you've said, well, it's just too hard and I can't do this. Now, this resolve, this sense of resolve means that you and I are going to be utterly dependent upon the grace of God to overcome our sin. As God shows us that sin, His purpose is to give us the grace to overcome that sin. He intends for us to be victorious in that area. And that leads us to the fourth step in the process of repentance, and that is replacement. So a part of repentance is when we realize, okay, this is, this is sin against God, and I need to take this out of my life. I need to remove this from my life. I need to, I need to take this action or this attitude or this this uh, part of my nature, and I need to get that out of my life by the grace of God. Well, God wants us to practice the principle of replacement. When something is taking, taken out, something must be put back in its place. And what you'll find is that attitudes and actions that are sinful, that God alerts us to, there is always a godly opposite to that. There is always something that, that usually it's a lust, right, that we're trying to fulfill. And I don't mean lust just in the area of sexual lust. I mean any sort of sinful desire that we have. And so that sinful desire leads us to actions and attitudes which are sinful, which are not pleasing to the Lord. But every sinful lust has a contrasting godly desire that should be in our life. And so we need to learn how to replace those sinful desires with righteous desires and godly desires and put those things into our life. And that will be part of what we talk about tomorrow night as we deal with the response of obedience. Now, I'm thankful tonight that God does not overwhelm us with our sinfulness. You do understand that if he wanted to, God could open our eyes and show us everything that is wrong with us. And our eyes would just glaze over 
and we'd fall over dead and we'd say, forget it. There's no way I can deal with all of those things. But God is gracious and he doesn't roll back and show us every single thing that is wrong with us. By the way, this is a good model for how to deal with other people too. If you sit down with someone and tell them, I've cataloged a list of 137 things that are wrong in your life that we need to deal with. Well, you just overwhelmed them. They're going to throw their hands up in despair and say, there's no way I can deal with 137 things all at the same time. But what we find about God is that he tends to deal with one or two things at a time. He tends to say to us, Here's, a, here's something that needs to be done in your life. Here's something that needs to be changed. Let's go to work on that. And then he, he gives you the grace and the strength to overcome in that area. And you think, well, man, I'm on the mountain. Praise the Lord. I've really, I've really made some progress. And then the Lord says, well, there's, there's another thing over here that I want to deal with now. And then that's our life until we get to heaven is God saying to us, oh, there's, there's a couple more things that we need to deal with so that you'll be more like Christ. But aren't you thankful tonight that he doesn't overwhelm us with all the things that are wrong? And on top of that, turn to Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6. I've quoted this verse to you many times, but I want you to see it tonight with your own eyes because it is such an encouraging verse when we think about the process of repentance. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6 is addressed to believers who are experiencing the work of God in their lives. And the Holy Spirit of God says these words to them, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God began the work. He is committed to finish the work. He's not going to leave you half done. He's not going to abandon you and say, you're just too hard of a case. I don't think I can handle you. No, he's committed to this process. And he has promised that the end result is you're going to be like Christ. He is committed to continuing that process. So he's never going to give up. This is why we look for this evidence of salvation Is God continuing to work in this individual's life? God doesn't just leave saved people alone for years upon years upon years and never convict them or try to change them. No, he's steadily working in our lives to make us like Christ. Now, our Christian growth chart might look something like up and back and up and back. And maybe back a little again. And then up and back. And it may feel to you like you're not really making progress. But if you look at it over a period of time, you might also be surprised by how much God has changed in your life from when you were first saved to where you are now. So while we should have remorse about our sin, we can have tremendous encouragement tonight Because God is not going to leave us where we are. He's committed to this work. Now, we have to cooperate with him in this work. He's not going to do it all for us. We have to be part of this process. 
but he is fully committed to this work. And he is going to give us the strength and the grace and the understanding to be changed from glory to glory into the image of Christ. Now, as we think about repentance, that's the process of repentance. But think just for a minute with me about some of the problems of repentance. And I'm just going to take a minute to point these out to you. If we're not careful in our lives, if we're not very cautious, we can be guilty of short-circuiting the work of God that he's trying to do by alerting us to things that need to be changed. And there's three primary ways that we do this, that we short-circuit the work of God in, in regards to repentance. First of all, we can find ourselves justifying our sin. And we make up reasons why our sin is okay. After all, you just have to understand my situation You have to understand the weakness of my nature. You have to understand the particular things that I struggle with. I mean, if you just knew what my parents were like, if if you had any idea what it was like to work for my boss, if you had any, uh, any idea what had happened to me when I was younger and the trauma that I've endured, then you would understand why it's okay for me to do these things. These are excuses that people make for sin. They justify their sin. As a believer... There is absolutely no excuse for sin. We should, if we catch ourselves excusing or justifying our sin, we should ask God to help us be honest about our sin. This will short-circuit the work of God if we find reasons to justify in our mind that our sin is actually okay. The second thing that we can find ourselves doing is that we can be guilty of blaming our sin on other people. And we can say, well, you know, I I know that it's not right for me to be angry, but you know, the reason I got angry is because that person did this to me. And I I know I shouldn't have responded that way, but it's really their fault. And and we hear kids do this all the time, don't we? You, You catch them doing something wrong and you call them on it and they say, well, my brother or my sister, if they hadn't done this, then I wouldn't have done that. And uh, we, we, with our children, we, we have learned that if you ask a lot of questions, you find that there's always a lot more to the story than what was originally told. And there's a little background behind there. And so, now, they're not unique. See, they're human beings. And we do the same thing, don't we? We tend to say, well, my sin is because of this person or that person or this circumstance or that circumstance... Don't make excuses for your sin and don't blame your sin on anyone else. Third of all, another problem of repentance is that we can be guilty of just denying our sin altogether and saying, it's not sin. I mean, we live in a day and age where we're redefining all kinds of words. And it's no longer sin. It's no longer adultery. It's no longer cohabitation. It's no longer fornication. It's no longer hatred. It's no longer... We don't use Bible words anymore. We, we redefine them and we make them sound so nice. And, and we come up with all kinds of explanations why our sin is not actually sin. This is not helping us. 
We have to be honest with ourselves and with God if we're going to have victory over our sin. We've got to be open to what God is trying to say to us. So the process of repentance and the problems of repentance that we need to be alerted to. But then I want you to consider with me the practice of repentance real quickly. And four things that will help you. These these will be real practical things that you could do on a daily basis. First of all, ask God regularly to open your eyes to sin that is inside. Make this a habit of praying and saying to God, God, would you please help me to see the sin that is within my heart? Would you help me to be aware of ways that I am offending you or offending others? Would you bring these things to my attention? Now, again, you can trust God not to overwhelm you, not to bring so much to your attention that you're brought to despair, but you ought to show openness to God in this area by asking God to show you. Now, I will warn you that when you begin asking God this, He is going to show you your sin. And it's going to be ugly. And there are going to be things that you're going to find out about yourself that you're not going to like. There's going to, I mean, if you're in the habit of thinking of yourself as the cat's meow, or however you want to say it, as the, I, I am really it. I am the pinnacle of Christianity. I, I've really arrived. Then don't ask God this question. Because he's going to show you some things that are present in your life that he knows about that you have ignored or that you have put out of your mind or that you have just not noticed. And he's going to open your eyes to those things and it's going to be humbling. But I believe that if we're going to walk with God, we need to be asking God regularly, God, please open my eyes. Help me to see my sin. I want to be honest with you about where I'm at and I want to know my true condition. Second of all, acknowledge the truth. When God shows you what is there, again, don't short-circuit God's work by blaming it on someone else or excusing it or denying that it's sin, coming up with some kind of justification. If God shows you, if you're reading in His Word and the Spirit of God smites your heart and puts His finger on your life and says, the way that you spoke to that brother was wrong. Don't say, oh, come on, Lord. We were just joking. Oh, come on, Lord. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, he's not a very nice person anyway. He deserved it. No. Acknowledge the truth. Acknowledge, come, come clean about that and be honest with God and be honest with yourself. And when you see your sin, be real. But then, third of all, Accept God's forgiveness. And, and part of confession, the word confess, is the idea of agreeing. And when we confess our sin, we agree with God. That's the idea of acknowledging the truth about your attitudes and actions. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we agree with God... But then, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If He shows you your sin, and you deal with that sin, 
and you deal with God about that sin. And if that's a sin between you and someone else and you go and deal with that sin with that person, then you need to accept God's forgiveness. Because sometimes we'll find ourselves wallowing in the mire of our sin. Oh, I'm an awful Christian. You know, we're a little melodramatic about it. Like we're the only ones who've ever sinned. Or like God's forgiveness doesn't extend to us. So be careful to accept God's forgiveness. That means I'm not going to stay here in this place of failure. God's purpose is for me to get up. A righteous man falls down seven times, but he gets back up. So I'm going to get back up and I'm going to move forward and I'm going to be victorious. I want to please the Lord. So accept God's forgiveness. Then fourth of all, act together with God in the change process. Part of repentance now is not just talking to God about my sin, being real with myself and with God about that sin, but I need to act with God in the change process, understanding God is in the process of changing me. He alerted me to that sin because he wants me to be different. And he's going to give me the grace to be different. And this is that function that we find in the book of Ephesians and in the book of Colossians, where I put off the old man and I put on the new man. So I'm going to get rid of those fleshly, sinful actions, those things that are characteristic of the old man, and I'm going to put something on in their place. I'm going to, I'm going to replace them with that which is pleasing to the Lord. And we're going to talk about this more in detail tomorrow night because this is part of what it means to obey God, to respond with obedience, is that now I'm not just going to try to stop doing the bad things, but I'm going to start doing the things that are good, the things that are wholesome, the things that are pleasing to the Lord. All right, so this is a good practice for us to follow in regards to repentance. Every day we ought to ask God to open our eyes. Every day we should be acknowledging the truth about our attitudes and actions. Every day, we should be accepting God's forgiveness as we agree with God about our sin. And every day, we should be putting off and putting on. This is a significant part of walking with God. Much of what God is up to in our relationship with Him has to do with Him transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, let me give you some questions to think about and to reflect on as you go from this place. Later tonight, maybe tomorrow morning, you can reflect on these questions. What is my regular practice of self-examination for sin and things that are not pleasing to the Lord? Do you have a regular practice in regards to that? Do you, do you set aside time in your personal walk with God, to, to talk to God about the things that might be missing, the things that need to be changed? What is your practice? If you say, I don't have a practice, there's, there's, I, I really don't do this unless somebody, somebody asks me to do it, or unless I come to the Lord's Supper service, or uh, I, you know, if we have that prayer night and there's a place there for self-examination, then I do that then. Okay, so that's telling you that you need to implement some regular times of examination in your life. Second of all, am I quick 
to confess and forsake sin. And what I mean by that question is, have you ever experienced it in your life where you are involved in living, you're, you're doing your normal day-to-day stuff, maybe you're in an interaction with someone, maybe there's something else that's going on in your mind, and, and just like that, right in the middle of what you're doing, the Holy Spirit says, what you're thinking is wrong right now. What you are saying is wrong right now. The attitude that you have in your heart is wrong right now. In that moment, are you quick to confess that sin and to say, you're right, Lord. You're exactly right. I need to deal with that sin. I need to put that aside. And I'm, I'm going to change that right now. I'm, I'm going to be sensitive to the Lord. See, one of the things that we want to do in regards to repentance is we want to keep a short sin account. We don't want to let sin go on and on and fester in our life. We want to deal with it just as soon as the Spirit convicts us. If He speaks to us and corrects us, then we should say, okay, I want to deal with that right now. Third question, how do I provide for honest input of brothers into my life? Now, this is a tough question. Most of us are not really that interested in having honest input from other people who would suggest that there are some areas where we need to grow in the Lord. And I want to just add this as an addendum to this question. If if you are asked to provide this kind of input, be very careful with that trust. Just like the Lord does not overwhelm us, you don't want to overwhelm other people who have asked you for honest input. If somebody comes to you and says, hey, do you see any things in my life that need to be changed? Again, if you come to them with a list of 137 things, they're probably not going to ask you again. And they're probably not going to work on any of those 137 things because they're going to be so overwhelmed that you saw that many things wrong with them. They're just going to give up in despair. But we do need to have honest input. We do need to have godly counselors. This is part of the function of the brotherhood of believers. Finally, what areas is God working in right now to lead me to repentance? Can you identify some areas in your life where God is at work, even right now, where he's dealing with you about attitudes and actions that need to be different so that you can be more like Jesus Christ? All right, so follow with me real quickly where we've come to so far. If you've been born again, the living God is within you. You've entered into relationship with God, and the reason that you've entered into relationship with God is because He has revealed Himself to you. Not only did He reveal Himself to you at the point of salvation, but He is in the business of revealing Himself to you every day. He wants you to walk with Him, to know Him, to worship Him, and to obey Him. Part of what He is doing in your life, in this relationship, is he's changing you into the image of Jesus Christ. He's alerting you to things that need to be different. And what we're going to deal with tomorrow night, he is inviting you to be a part of what he, the great creator God, who is always at work. Did you know the Bible describes him as a working God? He is always at work. He is at work in the world right now. And if you are in fellowship with him, if you are in relationship with him, he is inviting you to be a part of that work. The reason he wants you to be like Christ 
is so that you will be useful in his work. And he's saying, this is what I'm up to. This is my plan that I've been working through the ages. And I want to involve you at this point in time in this part of my plan. And I want you to be a part of what I am up to. Tomorrow night, we're going to talk about our response of obedience. It's an exciting thing when you start to realize that God is inviting you and I to be a part of what he is doing in this world. And it's, it's humbling to think that he would invite us to be a part of that. But this is what it means to walk with God. Tonight, I hope you'll go home, think about these things, and I hope you'll come back tomorrow night at 7 o'clock as we continue the series.